It's time to talk BYU football. You're tuned in to the Coordinator's Corner, live from JCW's in Provo, giving you the inside scoop on BYU football from the coaches themselves, JCW's, the Burger Boys. To lead things off, let's head live to your host, the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Good afternoon, Cougar Nation. Welcome inside JCW's here in Provo, Utah, for another edition of the Coordinator's Corner. Today we've got offensive coordinator Ty Detmer in our first half hour and special teams coordinator Ed Lamb coming up in half hour number two with you every Monday, 12 to 1 here at JCW's at BYU coming into this week, Mississippi State week at 1-5 and five on the year, trying to break a five-game losing skid. Let's get right into it. Uh, Coach Detmer, we have to start, I guess, as we do the last few weeks with addressing your QB situation and just where things stand right now uh, as of Monday of game week. Yeah, I think uh, Tanner came out of it pretty well. Uh, not much worse of the wear as far as the ankle goes and things, so he moved around a little bit today and uh, and got some practice time. So um, I think, you know, we're, we're pretty set with him as the starter, and, and, and uh, Joe Critchlow will be getting reps behind that, So and we'll be ready to go. Um, but that's kind of where we're at. Okay, and uh, how close is uh, Bo Hodge from uh, being able to, to see game action again, perhaps? He's close. He's uh, feeling better better and better each day, and uh, it's just a matter of, you know, getting everything right, making sure that uh, everything's right, and then, you know, we're, we'll see where he's at from there. So your clear one-two for this week, then, is uh, is Tanner and Joe in that order? Right, yep. Okay. So how much work did Joe get last week, and is it is there any more work involved this week? He got uh, he got quite a bit. With Monday, you know, we weren't sure Tanner hadn't been cleared, and uh, so he got the majority of it on Monday. Tuesday, uh, about half of it, and then uh, Wednesday, um, our last real work day for the week, since we had a Friday game, he got... Uh, a little less, probably a quarter of it. And so, you know, he's he's got, you know, some good work the last couple of weeks and we'll continue to get some just to make sure um, he's got to get enough to where he feels comfortable in case uh, something happens with the ankle again. Was the intent going into Boise State always to get Joe some time in that game? Um, no, I mean, we got to the situation at the end where uh, it's two minutes and we're three scores down, so wanted to get him some work to uh, just get some game time. It's been a long time for him coming off a mission, and I and, uh, wanted to get him in the game and get the juices going, kind of get the, you know, that initial, uh, you know, game time, uh, playing time reaction out of him and, and then uh, just be ready to go in the future. How much goes into a decision when it is matter of red shirt or no for a guy that hasn't played yet? Yeah, it, there, there's a lot of uh, decisions that go into it. First of all, you know, making sure the player is comfortable that, that he may be playing. And, uh, you know, at the same time, what's best for the team. And so, you know, you're trying to do what's best for the player, what's best for the team. And uh, right now, I mean, he's the, he's the backup and needs to be ready to play. And so... Uh, we felt it was important to get him in right there at the end and, and get some of those uh, initial jitters out of the way. And, and hopefully, you know, that doesn't – it's not brand new to him uh, if he has to go in the next time. So, you know, that, that's a tough call all the time. But he's, uh, you know, he's a great kid and, and wants to be in there, wants to be playing. And so um, I think we all felt comfortable going ahead and putting him in and, and uh, getting him ready just in case we need him. Didn't see a lot of him, of course. So what did he show you in the few snaps he got on, on Friday? Yeah, I made a couple nice throws. Uh, you know, had to scramble out of there on one. And, and uh, like to see him keep his eyes down the field a little more. Bushman was, was wide open uh, coming across, but kind of got fixated on one, which is natural at that point in the game. It's hard to stand around and you're cold. And and uh, the last two minutes, you're, you know, you're thrown in there. And 
but more than anything, just wanted to see him, you know, go through the process, calling the plays, lining people up, and and uh, running the offense. So I think that was important for him. And and uh, if at some point he's needed here the rest of the year, he'll be ready. How much better can Tanner's ankle get? Do you think from week to week, playing every week, as long as he doesn't have any setbacks, true setbacks, can he continue to go with it and be your guy the rest of the way on that ankle? Yeah, I think so. I think uh, it'll continue to feel better throughout the week this week and and be even you know a little more mobile than he was last week so um, I think you know at some point it'll eventually feel pretty good and and uh, we'll be you know getting out of the pocket a little bit more and and uh, taking off and doing some of those things so it's it's not something where the doctors felt like it would it would really just be a nagging deal the rest of the year yeah. if he uh, if he doesn't re-injure it. Could you throw a percentage number on how ready he was to go? Do you think last Friday? Well, he was ready. You know, he missed a few weeks, so you know, missing that time and the, that development time, um, you could tell as the game progressed, kind of hurt him, and and uh, a little bit of the rustiness came back and, and showed. The first drive was perfect. You know, we yeah. went right down the field and hit everything. Was seeing it, and and then uh, you know, as the game progressed, we got a little bit out of that that stay in sharp mode and and uh kind of started improvising a little bit and and uh, doing some things that uh weren't characteristic whether it's trying to make a play trying to do too much um or or just being a little rusty from it so you know mentally he was ready to go he felt good and, and like i said that first drive was picture perfect and, and you want to see that the whole game yeah first drive was um was very positive but very crisp and you guys open up scoring a td on your first possession usually a good thing for byu historically second drive you get to a third and ten and a block in the back takes away a really nice conversion off a screen i think he ran to bo tanner and that just kind of took you off schedule it did you know we had a couple we really, I mean, we're good penalty-wise in the game. We only had two, but they negated two big plays for us, and uh, that's an opportunity where we get the ball right back, chance to stay on the field and, and keep the drive alive, and, and we're close to midfield at that point, I think, after that conversion, and, and then you're back in third and 20, and uh, it sets you back, you know, and so uh, we got to avoid those types of things. we got to stay on track and, and stay on course, and, and uh, you know, it was questionable call but it's one where you know you, we got to be tighter and sharper and know that all we got to do is get a little piece of that guy and, and not have to have a full-on block and, and keep him from making a play he's already pretty much out of the play at that point so um disappointing but you know we got to be able to overcome some of those things and i talked to the offense you know on saturdays just told them you know we can't we can't sit around and, and when something bad happens that's it that's the game you know we got to get back on course and and make plays and and not hang our head when when something bad happens or wait around for something bad to happen we've got to create some opportunities and i felt like you know as the game progressed we didn't do that we we just kind of got into a little bit of a shell and uh never came out of it and just missed some plays that were there and and another penalty later and uh just didn't didn't stay on track and, and they're a good football team you know but um we, we're hurting ourselves a little bit with some of the penalties and the mistakes that we have you think Bo could have made that play without uh, without what happened on that corner there yeah if, even if he just gets a hand on him instead of you know getting a hand and then really trying to get another one on and force him outside all he's got to do is just you know kind of get a little piece of him and then pull the hands back and and we're okay so um it wasn't crucial point at the of the play but yeah and uh, and it was a little questionable. I mean, you know, we see those things against us every week and don't get called. So I don't know. We're we're you know we're playing with other conference officials uh, every week. So um, we don't always get the calls even when we're at home. 
you played there. You got set up to a third and 18 after that penalty. And I went back. You have as many third and 18s as you have third and ones this year. You'd want a lot more third and ones than third and 18s, obviously. But that's kind of the imbalance you have right now. Yeah, you know, we've, we've set ourselves back with some penalties or sack or, you know, a negative play on uh, either second down or third down. And, and whether we've gotten a conversion and then get a penalty uh, with that, it's you're not going to win many football games being in third and long. So that's something we got to take care of and, and be cleaner. And, and uh, you know, we, we can't put ourselves in those situations because they're hard to convert. BYU does have a nice third and short option. We'll talk about him when we come back with Coach Ty Detmer. This is the coordinator's corner from JCW's in Provo. Coach Detmer till 1230. Coach Lamb coming up at 1230. We're back after this on BYU Radio, ESPN Radio, and BYU Football Facebook Live. You're tuned into the Coordinator's Corner, live on the new spin BYU Sports Network. Let's head back to JCW's in Provo and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Right, it's a BYU at Mississippi State Saturday morning. Yes, an 8 a.m. Mountain Time pregame, 10 a.m. Mountain Time kick. It'll be 11 a.m. in Starkville when the Cougars and Bulldogs get after it. Uh, and we're chatting about that game and the past game we just had and other things with Coach Ty Detmer, offensive coordinator in this coordinator's corner, special teams coordinator Ed Lamb coming up at the bottom of the hour. So we alluded to before the break to your down and distance situation on third downs. When you get to third and short, you want to get there more. Uh, Ula Tolutau has been a really good option. He's four for four in converting third downs on your third and ones, third and twos. Yeah, he's he's really becoming the back we thought he would be when uh, when he got off his mission and we were recruiting him. Um, you know, he's he's a big physical back. He's getting in more and more game shape every week. You know, we got to get him a few more carries than we did last week, get him involved a little more. But uh, he's a nice short yardage option. You know, a couple of those, the safety met him right in the hole and, and he hit him and, and still got two more after contact or more yeah. uh, a couple times. So uh, he's a guy you like having back there that's physical, sees sees it well, and uh, runs with great power. Now, the fact that Ula is uh, averaging a little under 10 carries per game, and a lot of it was him coming along, wasn't maybe quite ready coming out of camp. So he's under 10 carries per game. Is it reasonable to expect maybe doubling that number on a per-game basis going forward if the game script allows you to? Yeah, you know, I mean, ideally with Jamal, it was that 20 carry was was a, a good number for us yeah. uh, last year and uh with ula be similar type of thing we want to get him you know get him touches uh getting more opportunities and i think the numbers are skewed a little bit from that the first couple weeks where he, he didn't, didn't play a lot any at yeah. all um but then you know after that we've been trying to get him more he had 20 at utah state but a couple fumbles there so was he was it due to fatigue and and getting a little careless with the football so as coaching staff Always trying to monitor when a guy is fresh, he's going to play much better and be a lot sharper and tighter with the football. And when they get tired, that's when usually things happen. And uh, and so it's that fine balance of how many is too many for him right now until he really gets going in, in full season form. And But he, I think he's getting there. He's pretty close. Um, you know, we'd like to have him, you know, at least 15. And, and if we're ahead in the game or it's right there, he'd yeah. probably get a few more and, and get upwards of 20 then. It was a nine-carry night against Boise State. What makes him a good workhorse candidate, just looking how he's progressed since his mission? Yeah, I think just his uh, his size, for one. You know, he's the type of guy that's going to wear a defense down. They're, those safeties are going to get tired of tackling him. If we can get him to the safety and uh, that safety's having to meet him in the hole, at some point he's going to start going at ankles and, <laughs> and uh, you know, all of a sudden you sidestep and make a guy miss and it turns into a big one. So, um, you know, those types of backs, they need carries. They need time and, and uh, and then it puts more pressure on the defense because 
they get tired of tackling those big guys. So you're leaning on a freshman RM in the backfield, and you're leaning on a freshman RM at tight end. So two of your top offensive guys, your lead carry guy and your lead target guy, are both guys who weren't playing for you last year. And that's Matt Bushman, of course, we're talking about. Yeah, we're a little different team than we were last year, for sure, uh, personnel-wise and things. And so, um, you know, Matt's done a great job of coming along and, and uh, had a, a great game for us last week. And so, you know, we know there's there's a bright future ahead for a lot of these guys, and uh, there's some growing pains along the way and some things that happen that uh, haven't happened for them before, but um, they're doing a great job of kind of catching up quickly, and, and hopefully here at some point, you know, we get everybody on the same page and everybody clicking and, and uh, he's got a chance to, to really get going. So um, hopefully that happens soon. Matt had 13 targets, seven receptions against Boise State. Clearly he's somebody quarterbacks feel good about finding as a nice safe, more than a safety net as a playmaker. Yeah, I, I think they all are comfortable with his catch radius. You know, he's got a big wingspan and uh, does a great job versus linebackers and safeties. And I know Tanner has a a lot of confidence in him to to make catches and to be in the right place. So as as quarterbacks get comfortable with a target, they start getting more and more as uh, the comfort level grows. So um, we got to get other guys involved and, and keep them going. But if they're going to take away some of those guys, then um, that's a great option in there. So uh, Mitch Matthews was the last BYU receiver to have a 100-yard game at BYU. Who's the next candidate or the candidate to be um, the big play guy or have a breakout game, whether it's even a tight end or a wideout? Yeah, uh, great question. We're waiting for that guy to, to really step up. Matt, you know, a couple more catch and runs there. Uh, maybe he's got a chance to top 100. Um, you know, Jonah Treneman, if we can get him connected on a couple of the deep ones uh, or some catch and run as well. He's, uh, he's, he's one of the more explosive guys but it's got to happen you know it can't just be potential all the time uh, at some point we got to step up and and start making some of those plays you know we took a shot on the fourth and one and yeah. just off the fingertips and uh you know we got to we got to have those and uh you know you get a guy like michael simon that's really coming on and and uh talon shemway had a rib injury didn't play most of the game so you know michael will probably be one of the starters this week and love to see him break out and have a big game so um you know Part of it's decision-making on the quarterback. Part of it's the receivers. And part of it's the O-line giving us time. When, when we have had some guys open, we said, you know, there's time where we haven't been able to get it to them or uh, we didn't in, in the throw when we had protection. So our receivers are doing a great job. We're, we're getting guys open. Um, we just got to, you know, as a quarterback, I got to coach them better. If we're not seeing it, that's that's on me for not not coaching it right or making sure they know what their reads are and, and uh same thing with protection. We got to be more solid in protection a little bit, and, and give us a little more time for some of those deeper things to open up. And there have been a couple of big hitters there to make plays on. Whether it's Jonah or Neil, they've gotten their hands on balls. You just want them to kind of finish off the play. Yeah, we, you know, you, you look at Tanner's freshman year, and he relied on Mitch Matthews and some big, tall targets. Uh, you know, guys that would go up and, and make a play, and we've made very few of those this year. We don't have. We don't have that guy, I feel like, right now that has stepped up and said, give me a chance on a ball down the field. I'll make the play. Um, right now we're still looking for that guy. And and so as a quarterback, you at some point you kind of quit taking those shots because we're not 
coming down with them and, and then you start holding it or or looking for the next guy and so um we just we got to be tighter with the quarterback making good sharp reads and getting the ball out on time regardless who the receiver is mm-hmm. and trusting everybody they're out there for a reason that we feel like they can play and make the play and then uh the receiver's got to go up and, and make some of those when they get their opportunity because they're they are few and far between and if you make one chances are you're going to get another one pretty soon the play is the call the block the throw, the catch, the run, everything is involved in the play, and, and making it happen is what it's uh, coming down to right now. That's one of the great things about football. I mean, it can take one guy on a play to, to make a disaster, and it can take it takes all 11 to make it a good play. And uh, that's that's one of the, the great things about it. It's the ultimate team sport. And uh, we're just not clicking consistently enough to, to keep drives alive and to make some of those plays that uh, you got to have to kind of break a game open. Okay, after this break, we'll hit O-line. We'll talk about the Bulldogs, and we'll take some questions from Twitter with the hashtag CCBYU. Your questions for Coach Detmer. Next segment, hashtag CCBYU. This is the Coordinator's Corner, live from JCW's in Provo on BYU Radio, ESPN 960, and BYU Football, Facebook Live. Back in a minute. Live from JCW's in Provo, this is the Coordinator's Corner on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Now let's rejoin the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. We are back at JCW's here in Provo for the Coordinator's Corner. Offensive Coordinator Ty Detmer with me for the first half hour. Special Teams Coordinator Ed Lamb coming in at the bottom of the hour. Let's write to social media and to hashtag CCBYU for some questions for Ty from Lauren Parker. The O-line, he says, has performed well this year. What factors have driven their solid performance? I think you've started the same five every game this year, haven't you? Yeah, that's a big part of it. Consistency up front where they get to work together. And and there's a lot of timing in the run game with those guys up front that kind of, you know, goes unknown noticed a little bit when to come off and when to stay on the double team longer those kind of things but having five or three seniors up there and that core inside the experience and the leadership that they bring is is really a strong suit of our team and so um, that helps a ton having having seniors and guys that have been in there and done it uh, where at other positions we don't have that a lot of right now so um, those guys are doing a great job they battle um, they, you know, they give us an opportunity to, to run the ball, and then they've been good in protection. Some of our protection breakdowns have, have been backs missing, you know, at times, or quarterback not getting it out in enough time. So, you know, anytime there's pressure, a sack doesn't always mean it's the offensive line. Well, speaking of senior O-linemen, just found out that uh, Kean Norman will be our guest on tomorrow night's Satake show. So we'll be at uh, BYU TV Studio C tomorrow night, 6 o'clock till 7 o'clock. Me, Kalani, with Kean Norman. And a guy that knows Kean pretty well, Ed Lamb, is coming up in a few minutes here on the radio as well. So Kean Norman, and the tickets for this week only, by the way, a new link for you, cougarclub.com slash satake show. Go to cougarclub.com slash satake show and get uh, free seats for tomorrow night's show at Studio C. Another question from Twitter, hashtag CCBYU from Travis Mortensen. He says, Ty, when having to cycle through quarterbacks, how do you instill confidence in the other guys that you can succeed and move the ball? Yeah, I think uh, they build that a little bit um, in the off season or uh, in camp. You know, when get, when guys get an opportunity to come in, but more than anything, it's through that week of practice where they start feeling comfortable and, and see a guy making throws and, and know that they they know what's going on. I think uh, more than anything, so try to prepare the quarterback and and as a coordinator, you try to just give them what what they can handle. And uh, you know, if that's the most basic things then that's what it is and so um you know that's not 
ideal situation having to play two or three quarterbacks in a season, but it happens, and, and uh, I think our players uh, trust that whoever's going to be in there will, will understand what's going on and, and be able to execute, and, and then they got to elevate their game. they got to step up and, and make every little play count and uh, do every all the little things right in order to help that guy be successful as well. We referenced him earlier, but since he is now the primary backup, how, how well do you think uh, Joe Critchlow has assimilated everything you're throwing at him right now? Yeah, he, you know, he got a lot thrown at him early in camp and uh, wanted to, to throw a lot at him, and he picked it up pretty well. And so now it's, it's game plan, and, and, you know, you're getting – the first few weeks here, it's just been all mental reps for him, really, and uh, throwing individual routes and one-on-ones and things like that. But uh, for the most part, uh, he's done a great job of picking it up and understanding what we're doing through the mental process. And now that he's getting a few reps here and there, he's uh, you know it, it helps kind of put that mental part with the, the physical part and the timing of it all. And, and he's doing a great job. Otherwise, he wouldn't be in the situation he's in. Okay, back to Twitter, Jeffrey Butler, hashtag CCBYU. What's the biggest lesson from the season so far, and what do you do moving forward from one and five? <laughs> well, the biggest lesson, I guess, is patience. Um, you know, we're, we're trying everybody's patience right now. Um, but, you know, at the same time, it, it's just going to take work. It's going to take uh, reps. It's going to take more effort, more detail, and uh and that's where we're at right now. We're, we need more. We need, you know, more more execution, um, better game planning. We need we need everything to be better. And uh, it's, you know, we're we're hopefully gonna continue to work and, and get there. And, and guys get the little things, and, and we coach it better. And and uh, at some point, it's that's you know, it's just gonna kind of click, and we're gonna kind of get going and, and be consistent. Right now, we're not consistent enough to keep drives alive and and to get touchdowns from that. So uh, we just need more, and, and uh, as coaches, be patient with it, but at the same time, expect expect more from our guys too. Okay, final question from Twitter, at Away Cougs asks uh, where your nephew Coy sits in the current quarterback situation here at BYU. Yeah, he's he's ready to play. Um, you know, he got a little taste of it uh, the other week, and and uh, tough situation to come into. But he's a guy that would feel real comfortable that he understands the scheme, he understands where guys line up, those kind of things. So he's ready to go if if called upon. Um, we just feel like you know with Joe, there's a little more upside, and and uh, you know he's he's a guy that you know you're trying to get some reps into and and develop and. We, you know, we're real comfortable with Coy knowing everything that's going on and, and doesn't need as many reps probably as, as another guy, which when you got to put him in a game, it's probably not fair to him that he, he hasn't had a lot of reps and you just expect him to know it. So, um, But he's a, he's a great kid. He works hard, uh, great teammate, and they're coaching guys up for you at times and uh, does a great job that way. Okay, uh, the cliche is out of the frying pan into the fire, and so you're heading into the fire of SEC country uh, this weekend at Mississippi State, a team you played last year and beat last year here at home. Uh, Some thoughts on the Bulldogs and what they show and maybe how similar they might be to last year's group. Well, they're real similar up front. They're a big physical group. Uh, They play hard. They play fast. Typical SEC team. They they put it on LSU earlier this year, have, you know, stuck their toe the last couple weeks against Auburn and Georgia. A couple couple pretty good teams. Yeah, they're they're pretty good, too. So, um, we know, you know, we're catching them off a bye. I'm sure they're they got their feelings hurt, and, and you got Boise off a bye. They remember last year. Yeah, we seem to catch people off bye weeks, um, but 
it, you know, it's a great opportunity to go in. I'm excited to play there, uh, you know, to, to be on the side and never been there before. And, and I know the cowbells will be ringing, and we got to do a good job pre-snap to, to hang in there and, and hold our water and not put ourselves in holes with pre-snap penalties on the road in a loud environment. But um, overall, I mean, they're, they're a big, fast, physical team and a great opportunity for us to kind of go right the ship in a hostile environment. And, and just uh, go play and uh, cut it loose. A lot of our guys experienced, you know, that last year yeah. from them. So uh, we've got some experience playing against them. Now we just have to go execute. All right, that's what we look forward to Saturday in Starkville. It'll be more cowbell for BYU and Mississippi State. <laughs> Ty, thank you. We'll see you there. And we'll come back with Coach Ed Lamb next. This is the Coordinator's Corner from JCW's on BYU Radio, ESPN 960, and BYU Football Facebook Live. You're tuned into the Coordinator's Corner, live on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Let's head back to JCW's in Provo and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Switching gears, switching coaches here on the Coordinator's Corner, second half hour of the program here. Good to have you along with us, Cougar Nation. Our thanks to Coach Ty Detmer, BYU's offensive coordinator in our first half hour. Second half hour belongs to special teams coordinator, safeties coach, and assistant head coach, Ed Lamb. Coach Lamb with us here at JCW's and... Uh, Special teams, safeties are primary uh, areas of responsibility, but we're going to talk quarterbacks because you have a connection to the new number two at BYU. The backup, Joe Critchlow, is somebody you know fairly well. Could you give us the background between you and Joe? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, I came to um, uh, summer camp when I was every year when I was at Southern Utah. I came to summer camp, uh, BYU's camp, uh, looking for guys who maybe just were off the radar for BYU, but um, you know, BYU's summer football camp has. You know, hundreds of guys from all over the country that are LDS looking to come to the West. A lot of East Coast guys, Southern guys that are looking to come to the West where schools might understand their mission plans a little more, et cetera. And I was, uh, I was really impressed with Joe and I went and talked to him at that time and asked the BYU coaches if there was any interest and it didn't, didn't seem like there, there was and they hadn't offered at that time. So I kept track of him. Um, and then, uh, when it, when the recruiting cycle came around in his senior year, Noticed that he had uh, you know, Middle Tennessee and, and Vanderbilt and some schools out there, but nothing out here. And so we, we contacted him and, and asked him if he'd be interested in taking a look at us. He came out and made an official visit and um, you know, found out at that time that he wanted to be in the West, in Utah. His dream school was BYU, but um, Southern Utah to him was a really attractive offer. And uh, and most of the other offers back east were, they were um, telling him that if he did intend and did follow through on serving a mission, that they couldn't guarantee him that they would have a scholarship when he returned. So he he fell into our laps that way. Was a much uh, more highly recruited player than we were used to getting at SUU, and uh, and the the understanding always was that if you know if I wasn't there, that he would you know want to probably not stay. At Southern Utah, we had a healthy missionary program there. We had, at the time I left, we had over 40 guys in the program that were return missionaries, and there were 41 out in the field at that time. So very, uh, we were very familiar with that, and it was a big part of our program. So mid to high level FBS interest back east, FCS interest here, but here was the place for him at the time. That's an interesting decision he made. Yeah. Yep, that's right. And, and you know he's a he, he can run. He's not he's a he was a, a shooting guard. I think he's a 24, 26 points a game shooting guard at a, at the big level high school in uh, Tennessee, Franklin, Tennessee. But uh, he, he's athletic enough. But really, he's committed to staying in the pocket and keeping his eyes downfield. And we were committed to that type of quarterback, Brad Sorensen. We had just lost him to the NFL draft and. 
Uh, in fact, when Brad did a short stint with the Tennessee Titans, he stayed with Joe Critchlow for ten days with the with the Critchlow family. No kidding. And that's when he was huh. he was you know Joe was sharing. Well, yeah, I've got some interest in Southern Utah, and Brad told him, you know, you, you've got to you got to be there, get out there. Great story. Uh, and and Joe. Uh, into this seat. Well, first of all, what kind of quarterback did you think BYU was getting when you found out he'd be uh, with you guys here, after mission, post mission? Well, he's yeah, he's he's exactly what I expected. I mean, I I, I look for a very specific type of skill set for quarterbacks because of the offense that that we had been doing at Southern Utah, and it's not exactly what we do here at BYU. But I knew he would fit in Ty's plans as a guy who could learn to stand in the pocket, keep his eyes downfield, and deliver drop-back passes. And that's what he does really well. He's got tremendous leadership capability. Right now, he's still young. He's still learning things. I was I was here listening to the last part of Ty's show, and you know, Ty, I think Ty's assessment is spot on with, with Joe's still learning and, and just the confidence that comes through repetitions. You know, the, the Beatles said you've you got to practice a, a song a thousand times before you try to record it. And I think, you know, a, a thousand reps, is that's not out of the question for a guy. If you do a play seven to ten times a day, that's 300 times in training camp, and that's just your freshman year. So he's, uh, he's accelerated in his pace because of our quarterback situation, and he's stepping up to the challenge as best he can right now. The initial quarterback situation would have seen him redshirt this year. Uh, how involved were you in the decision to go uh, with him as a player and take the redshirt off this past week? Um, well, I, yeah, we, we, we make personnel decisions as an entire staff in that everybody is there. And I think there's, you know, there's, there, you, we want to have a staff dynamic where anybody can speak up. And, uh, and yet, you know, the, it's really always going to come down to what the head coach believes in and then the, the position coach um, and the, the coordinator. So a tie in both cases there. And, um, you know, I, in, in most of the ones, like, like with Joe in particular, I've got to keep my bias out of it, you know, and, and that, you know, we all, we all have some situations where we recruited a specific guy. Every guy on our team was recruited by a specific guy, and one of us sat in the living room of that player, et cetera. And in some cases we're coaching our sons and things like that, and we've got to kind of stay out of those conversations. <laughs> but uh, that said, uh, when he came in, were you – pleased with what you saw and what you think you'll see moving forward from him the biggest thing that i saw i I, um on a daily basis i'm not in the offensive staff room i'm talking about practice but i do watch um the the offensive film every day in practice it's part of my job to to visit with kalani or if if uh ty on a very rare occasion or one of the offensive coaches might ask me about something um so i always make a point to watch it uh, not as detailed as i would watch the defensive practice film but what i'm getting at is that the difference between uh joe from the first practice of last week to the second practice of last week was night and day. So so how quickly he picked that up, that pace, that's what kind of pace we're going to need for him to be a legitimate and viable backup. You're not, you, yeah, you're not asking him to come in and be the starter right now. Tanner's the guy, and as long as Tanner's health allows, he's going to be that guy, you'd think, that's and right. Joe has to be ready. That's right. Yeah, that, that's how it sits right now, and, and coaches have to make tough decisions there at every position on the field. We don't talk about all of them in this much depth, but it's all that's always the case. There's a starter, and you go with that starter and commit to him until there's a, a reason not to. All right, let's look at some uh, broad defensive numbers here. I'm going to give you some uh, BYU defensive performances to this part uh, of the season. Defense ranks 26th in red zone touchdown percentage allowed, 44th in yards per play allowed, 47th in red zone scoring percentage overall allowed, 48th in rush yards per carry allowed, and right around the middle in points per game at 26, which is a manageable number. I throw those things at you, and and those are things to be happy about defensively. Agreed? 
Um, yes, yeah, particularly the, the a few years ago when the tempo offense started to come into play, I think defensive coaches started to spend a lot less time setting our, our goals. You know, we like to talk goals with the players because it's a good indication of where we're at and what we need to work on. And we stopped setting goals in terms of uh, points or yards per game, and it became more about per play or per possession. Right. And so those those stats that you mentioned, I know you, I know that you like to study stats, and I think your eyes are in the right place on those. We can't always dictate how many plays that we are out on the field. You know, our, our off, That's why it's a team game. Our offense, our special teams has, has something to say about how often the defense is out on the field. But we can control how we play on every snap and how we play on every possession. And I think right now uh, we, there's a ton of room to improve on defense. Uh, you know, When we talk about the record that we have and the dis- disappointment in, on our team right now, there's nobody that's not culpable. But there are some things to build on, and those st- some of those stats you mentioned are, are some of those things to build on. BYU's uh, been in a, in a negative turnover margin situation this year, very different from last year, in that the defense sees a lot of shorter fields to defend. And, again, it happened against Boise, and I think uh, Boise scored just, I think, maybe three points off of off of turnovers in the entire game. Um, and, and so, again, you have to take some measure of pride in the fact that when it's time to get back on the field, even a short field, we've got a job to do. That's right. Yeah, that's, that's an important part of playing defense um, and being ready at all times. You know, kind of like a fireman's mentality. When you you know when the fire is there, you got to go out and you got to you got to fight fire. And uh, when there's time to make adjustments on the sideline and then to rest, then you, you try to do that. But you be ready at all times. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back uh, with Coach Ed Lamb. If you'd like to ask Ed a question, just use the hashtag CCBYU. It could be quarterback, special teams, safeties, whatever you want to throw at Ed. We'll take a look at it. Hashtag CCBYU. CC for Coordinators Corner. This is the Coordinators Corner. We're live at JCW's in Provo. We're on BYU Radio, ESPN 960, and. BYU BYU Football Facebook Live back in a bit. This is the Coordinator's Corner on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Now let's rejoin the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. All right, Coordinator's Corner continues from JCW's in Provo. We're with you every Monday from 12 to 1 with two of BYU's three coordinators. This week it's offense and special teams. Coach Ty Detmer was with us in the first half hour. Coach Ed Lamb with us now in half hour number two. Talk about average starting field position for a bit. Um, in the five losses BYU's had here in a row, the average is minus 13.6 yards per game in field position, average starting field position. That's not a sustainable number, as you know. Even being minus three or four yards could be a big number, and you're at around minus 14. It's an overarching problem because it affects or it's impacted by so many different areas of, of, of performance. But how can BYU kind of flip that thing back to a more manageable spot? Well, I think I mean I have a big I have a big piece of that responsibility. When special teams, when the kicking game is really on fire, then uh, then several of those, of those yards can be taken off. Um, you know, a, a good punt versus a versus a, a poor punt, or a great punt versus a good punt can be a difference of eight eight to ten yards. And the uh, same same in the return games, punt returns, kickoff returns, kickoff coverage, and uh, and and last game in particular where we were. We were really poor in the effectiveness of, of our uh, kicking game. I, I thought going in that it could be a real challenge for us in spots, but where we failed is we. I, th- I thought we would block a punt or, or more than one punt, and uh, we were incredibly close a Came couple very times. Close. But we yeah. but we did not get it done. And you know when when the coach me sells out for a block scheme and we're not able to get our return game going and we don't end up blocking a punt then then the coach didn't do the thing that worked you know so whether it should have worked or could have worked is not not the issue it was it was the wrong decision and i put our guys in a bad spot there and then and then just our ball striking the first punt by johnny and the the first uh, two kickoffs were just not a, not anything like what my expectation is for our, our kickers and not anything like their own expectations for themselves and not and not the pattern that we've had all season. So we really, in a sore way, need a, a bounce-back game in the kicking game, and it starts with, with me and the specialists themselves. 
Coming into the Boise State game, uh, the punt efficiency number I track for BYU is around 84%, which is a good 20% better than the national average. Uh, which is 64, and then against Boise State, it was your first real rough night, punt efficiency down at 60%, no matter how you manage it or, or uh, assess it, and the 22-yard punt you know, gives Boise a shorter field. They get their first touchdown off it. That's right. Yeah, I really I really like the way that those stats are. are I don't spend time studying the stat in terms of punt efficiency. Um, you know, By my recollection, we had, uh, I, I think, three good punts and one poor punt. And um, and that that uh, but overall it, it had a major impact on the game. And we we gave up the first touchdown on a short field, and uh, should have should have had much more distance off of that punt, pinned them on their own side of the of the field, and uh, it was just a you know like like any player on the field there. There at times can be missed tackles or, yeah. or missed blocks, and sometimes a, a kick is missed. A change in your return game, and we hinted at this a couple weeks ago, but Michael Shelton is now seeing most of the punt return uh, reps and has gotten you some positive yardage the last couple games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Michael has uh, a few a few things went into that decision. Um, number one, uh, Tanner, Tanner's been ha- hampered a little bit, and at the same time, Michael's been really improving his uh, tracking of the ball in practice, and so he's catching a, a really high percentage. And so initially, you know, we hadn't really even looked at the dynamic return turn ability because uh, Michael just had not been tracking the ball as well as Tanner and that's the number one option is to get the ball to the offense and then um, you know he's he's worked so hard at it and then in the game I think I think maybe everybody saw that he was making something out of nothing and yeah. we didn't have any any great returns but uh, he had he was getting two or three yards where there were none to be had and so we've we've got a I need to reward that recognize that as a coach and uh, anything that he may uh, you know be lacking in terms of tracking the ball in and, and ball security that's got to be the, the new emphasis in practice because clearly he has ability and it's my job to tap into that. You mentioned punt block coming really close and Jonah Trinaman that is despite averaging under 20 yards per kickoff return has come really close multiple times this season. Yeah, he has. He's hit it. He's hit it really hard. He's he's given so much effort in there. Uh, I would I would say same thing. You know I, the effort on special teams is just not a problem and i think this it it wouldn't matter who was the special teams coach at byu byu guys they they grow up wanting to play for the cougars a high percentage of them they play their guts out and and when we have inefficiency like we've had uh like we had in particular last game then it's it's my job to tap into the the effort that we do have we can and must play much better a point coming out of left field here. I was talking with Blaine Fowler last week, uh, whose son Gavin is the holder. Yes. And uh, we talked uh, last week about how one of Gavin's attributes is that he's uh, equally as good a holder for a left-footed or a right-footed kicker. That's right. It doesn't seem like much, but it's a thing. It is. It is a thing. Yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's really pro- he's the most versatile guy on our team. Um, there, is, there is no position on the special teams any of the return games any of the coverage games where i could not put him in and he would not and he would uh not know the assignment he knows every assignment um on defense and special teams thinks of it like a coach approaches it like a coach completely into the game at all times he's a he's a real pleasure to coach and and he's uh you know, when he, when he reported the training camp, he was somewhere in the ninety percent. So would be my judgment. He he would say a hundred because that's his personality. You know, he's always one hundred and one percent, and and attitude wise, he is. But he was still coming back off of the the knee surgery, yeah. and and you know, maybe it was ninety nine. I don't know. But he's he's getting back to the point where in practice he looks really sharp and fast. And I need to get him involved more. Seeing more Mitch Harris long snaps. Um, yes, yeah. Mitch, uh, Mitch had been um, had taken the short snapping duties, the PAT and field goal. Was doing a great job with his protection, and and the difference between his snaps and Matt Foley's snaps was getting less and less. And so it, it became, 
you know, we were able to, to bring the competition to more than just the snap game as his snaps got better and better. And then uh, Matt went down in the pregame at, uh, at Utah State just with just a back spasm, really, I think was what it amounted to. And so Mitch has had an opportunity the last couple of games, delivered, been 100% on his snaps. And so we've got a little bit of a competition there going and two guys that I feel really positive about. Overall defensive number or issue here, uh, last year BYU averaged around two and a half takeaways per game. Right now it's a little bit under one per game. Some playmakers are gone, true enough. What goes into uh, you know such a drop, do you think, from, from your second in the nation last year in takeaways, big part of your margin, and this year it hasn't happened with as much frequency. Big play to begin the game with Grant Jones on Saturday, on Friday, though. I've, I've really, um, in past years, studied studied this thing out in detail because we had years at, um, at Southern Utah where we were um, – number one in the nation in turnover margin and then years where we weren't as good and and the frustration from a coach to figure that out from year to year and the thing that the thing that i came up with number one factor as far as creating turnovers is um being in close games earning close games when the opponent begins to stretch Mm. and press the ball then the opponent becomes more likely to to make mistakes and the defense becomes more likely to be in a position to take it away so the actual margin affects turnover margin by what you found yeah the scoring the scoring margin you you know last year we we probably had uh, this is i have no information to back this up but we were probably in terms of overall uh, points for and points, you know, in other words, the winning margin per game, whether we won or lost, we were probably closer than anybody. Our wins were pretty tight. Our losses were pretty tight. Both offenses stretching to try to make something happen. Um, Ty was incredibly composed. You know, last year as we, as we would run the ball in situations and trust the defense, and, and we pulled out a lot of close games with a win. This year we're, we're having to press a little more on offense, and uh, and you see that in, in um, turnovers. And then and then defensively we're playing from behind, and the opponent's really not pressing. We're facing a lot of rushing attack in the third and fourth quarter, and you know, teams don't tend to turn it over when they're, when they're rushing the ball as much. So we'd like to create some more fumbles. We'd like to take better advantage of pass situations and challenge and get some interceptions, but, but a big part of that is this, the game situation as well. Relative to rush, uh, BYU's had a lost fumble in only one game this year. They, all three were in one game. It was the Utah State game, but it really hasn't been a season-long problem for you uh, when it comes to getting, giving up the ball on the ground. That's right. Yeah, we've, we've, we, our guys do a good job. Uh, Reno, uh, Mahe, and the, the running backs, you know, they carry the majority of the, of the football possessions and uh, they do do a great job of emphasizing that and even even uh, two of the fumbles that uh, at Utah State there were they were it was a fairly good ball security habit but uh, you know a pretty good job by the defense to get it out standing and stripping on an extra effort situation mm-hmm. by the running back yeah. all right we'll take a break we'll come back if you have questions for coach Ed Lamb we'll hit them in the next segment hashtag CCBYU hashtag CCBYU on Twitter and uh, yeah, that's how you get to us every week on this show from 12 to 1 here at JCW's. Coach Lamb back with us after this here on ESPN 960, BYU Radio, and BYU Football Facebook Live. Hi. Let's head back to JCW's in Provo and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. All right, the final segment here on this week's Coordinator's Corner, Monday's 12 to 1 here at JCW's. Ty Detmer was with us first half hour. Coach Ed Lamb here second half hour. We go to Twitter, hashtag CCBYU. You kind of alluded to it already. Uh, uh, the question from uh, at Chaplain Schumann is, uh, at Coach Lamb, what are the special teams working on to help win the field position battle? Uh, well, yeah, I, I think it's fundamental football. It's, it's blocking and tackling. It's it's our, our, our kickoff game. I, I don't... Uh, I guess uh, probably that question, I'm going to have to read into the the question a little bit because we're we're working on special teams, kickoff coverage, punt coverage, kickoff return, punt return, et cetera. But I I think the question alludes to maybe what do we need to work on um, the most or or where do we need to make the most improvement? I think we need to make the most improvement in um, our 
our kickoff return game and our, our punt uh, return game. Our kickoff coverage and punt coverage was not up to par last week, but um, traditionally we are one of the best coverage teams in, in America and, and have a national uh, reputation for that. And, and every time I talk to a special teams coordinator, there's a, you know, there's an envy about the way that our guys get down the field and cover with the heart and courage that they have. So that, that part will, um, you know, that part will continue to be strong. Uh, okay. It's the return game that we need to work on. Uh, question from at golf lover a 1000 uh, coach what are your thoughts when you hear or see your name mentioned as a potential hire for another school oh yeah, um, there's always a little bit of uh, humor there you know be, um, as I read it because there, those are things um, there, there's nothing behind it you know th- this is not a, a business where we, we fill out applications or apply for jobs or anything like that and and certainly I it, to my knowledge, it's probably a UTEP is the one that I've heard. They don't have an athletic director, or the current athletic director that they have is not going to hire anybody. I unequivocally have not been contacted by anybody anybody there, and uh, I don't know where that stuff comes from. So there's that piece that's kind of like, oh, that's funny, you know, and then there's the other piece where I'm, I'm honored that, uh, that anybody, whether it's a, a media member or a fan somewhere, would think that um, I'm worthy of that position and uh, and could be capable of, of doing that job well. But as a BYU guy engaged in the BYU effort right now, I've got to think that's where your heart is 100% right now, and you're happy. I hope you're happy here. <laughs> yeah. No, I am, uh, yeah. So, yeah, I am, I am honored and happy to be working to make BYU better, but I am miserable about where we are at right now, and I'm using that misery to my advantage and and as motivation on a daily basis how how is everyone else and everyone else is very broad the 100 and odd people we're talking about between coaches and players how are things being handled right now at one and five because it's a very unfamiliar position for the program well um there's there's everyone is on edge um i can't tell you that things are are uh just like it would be if we were five and one or undefeated as coaches we have to be on high alert for players who um don't have the mental toughness to fight through situations like this and um, and so we are we are actively doing that we are we are increasing our um, expectations of accountability in all areas of areas of the program things like you know how how clean the locker room is and how we hustle from from drill to drill those things are in in my experience much more important to keeping a team motivated to play week to week than um, you know schemes plays things like that i don't i don't think there's ever been a loss that that me or the coaches i've worked with or anybody came out of where we said gosh we should have ran more trick plays or or we should have been more creative with our blitzes or something like that it's usually after a loss you you think man we should have stuck with our base stuff a little more maybe and uh, man i I wish i'd done a better job of of motivating the players or holding them accountable or getting them to play harder or 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 more well those are the things that we need to continue to work on those are the things we are working on Okay, Mississippi State uh, this Saturday in Starkville. Throw game's not uh, great right now uh, by the numbers. Run game, though, very, very strong, and you'd expect that from SEC line talent generally. Absolutely, yeah. They've got, they're big and fast and strong all over the field, offense, defense, kicking game. Um, their offense is very capable of running the ball. The quarterback is a big part of that. If he has left any space at all, he eats up yards in a hurry. and gets Nick vertical. Fitzgerald. Nick Fitzgerald, yeah. um, fantastic player, and uh, was really, really, it, he was – on point with his passing game last year he looked off some of our coverages they were very well prepared had to we had to go to a a little 
uh, an adjustment there in the second half with our pass coverages, and, and I think we got much better and kind of found where where our sweet spot was against that opponent. But it'll it'll be a different battle this year, and we'll have to go in with all of our uh, all of our weapons and be ready to make adjustments as necessary. Is it okay to say that bowl eligibility is a good finish line to be shooting for right now? Or is it too distant when you're just trying to get better for the next game to say that's something we can shoot for uh, by the end of the year? I think the the context of that question is just how I would answer it. If the context of the question is, you know, us us as coaches or you and I um, here, absolutely, yeah, we ha- we must have a long term goal. But in the with our players, the goal has to be such more immediate and attainable, like um, winning this week, and more particularly making blocks, making tackles, making the adjustments that we need to make for this particular opponent. That's so much more important, I think, from an overall standpoint. I think Coach Sataki does a good job each week of kind of uh, lining up with the team where we're at overall and and where we can get to and then it's kind of like hey let's let's simply state that and let's move on to the business at hand which is beating mississippi state we can simply state uh the combined record of your remaining opponents is 12 and 28 that's not meant to give some sort of bailout as everything's going to be great now because some of these lesser teams are still on the schedule how do you view what you've got in front of you here between now and the end of november i feel like if we um play like we have um in, in some of our games the last few weeks, there is no opponent that can't beat us. And I think that's really important for our players to recognize that we have to play well. And when we play well, there's no opponent that we can't beat. And when we don't play well, there's no opponent that can't beat us. All right, that's Coach Ed Lamb, the summation for the week and what we should look forward to. And we look forward to Starkville on Saturday. It'll be an 8 a.m. Mountain Time pregame and a 10 a.m. Mountain Time kick. It'll be 11 a.m. local time in Starkville, but a morning start for BYU and Mississippi State. Our thanks to Coach Ty Detmer for joining us in the first half hour. Coach Ed Lamb for half hour number two. Our thanks to BYU Radio, ESPN 960, and the good folks here at JCWs. We'll see you next Monday, 12 to 1, for more Coordinator's Corner on ESPN 960, BYU Radio, and BYU Football Facebook Live. Thank you.